Welcome back. This is Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl. That's Dylan Ryan. And we are here after a bye week. Uh, we did not do a podcast last week because they were on a bye and we were kind of waiting for this special guest today to be able Very to join special us, guest. Um, which I'm super excited. But we don't have to go into a lot of detail about the Packers game. Uh, it sucked. Yeah. It was just Justin had probably his best passing game of his career, even with the two picks at the end. Um, but I mean, those were what in the last like three minutes of the game, both of them. Yeah. Uh, and one was obviously on Equinemius for not running the route correctly and not turning around quick enough to get back to the ball. And then the other one was whatever, like a good play by the defensive back. And the last 40 seconds, you're trying to make a big play and those things happen in those situations. But it was frustrating to me because it looked and we've talked about this. We didn't technically want to win, but I did want to win because it's the Packers. And I knew the storylines were going to be like, Aaron Rodgers can beat the Bears even when he's hurt and is like barely has like one leg right now. And that's just like he owns them. And I just didn't want to deal with that. But it is what it is. I honestly, after the game, was kind of like, it didn't hurt as bad as other Packers losses. And I think because at that point we were like, we got the number two pick in the draft right now, and we ju- we have our quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of how most Bears fans are feeling right now. Uh, I mean, honestly, like, if I'm a Packers fan, I would have rather lost that game. Like, mm-hmm. their season's going nowhere, yeah. and at this point, you'd rather have the good draft pick. And, yeah. like, there was a lot of Packers fans who were just like, oh, yeah, it's fun to beat the Bears and all, but it's just like now we're picking, like, 12. Yeah. And, like, you know, you can still get good players at 12. And we've been but... there. We've been at that middle of the Pack yeah. draft where you had a bad season and you need so much like 12 13 14th pick without trading up and giving away so much equity to try to get that yeah i mean it's it was frustrating to lose to them but overall i thought justin looked good Mm -hmm. outside the two turnovers and you know the roster is just really not where we want it to be right now Mm -hmm. and at this point i think the number one priority should be getting the best draft pick possible and that's what they did so yeah and i i think that um you saw flashes from guys that we've been waiting to see flashes from um to kill harry had a massive catch uh claypool had yeah, he had, a, a couple uh, yeah, of couple them. Big ones, yeah. Um, so you're, these guys that we've been waiting to kind of see really click with Justin and the passing offense opened up. He had two hundred over two hundred fifty yards passing, um, only seventy yards rushing, and only seventy all, yards. Yeah, but and that was all in the first half. He did yeah. not have a single rushing yard in the second half. And Packers fans were all like. We shut down Justin Fields. We figured him out. I was like, no, you didn't. Luke Getze just stopped running Justin Fields. Like, they, they were not using him whatsoever. I think, like, and it's my theory, but, and I talked about this on the, like, post-game thing for Windy City, and I was like, I kind of feel like they were tired of hearing that Justin Fields can't throw the ball. And so they're like, you know what, Justin, we're going to show them we can throw the ball today. And because it was interesting, it was an interesting game plan because the Packers defense has the worst rush run defense. You'd think they would have ran more. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're like, well, we're going to throw it in your face. And Alexander, Jair Alexander got whooped the entire game multiple times. He had the interception at the end against Equinemius. But other than that, he was getting burned the entire game. And that's one of the better players in the league. Yeah. Um, so there was just some, there was positives to take out of it. There was a lot of negatives and you, it really, you saw the sore spots on the bears really stick out in that game at certain points. Um, but one of the pieces of the bears that did not 
stick out in a negative way is the offensive line. And this is the first time since, I want to say it was like October of 2020 or early November of 2020 since the Bears haven't uh, gave up a sack. Yeah, I mean, they definitely looked way better than they've looked the rest of the season. Justin obviously had to throw the ball a little bit more, so he had to spend some more time in the pocket. And they actually played well, which is something... They seem to only ever really do when Trevor Simeon managed to get in the game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they looked pretty solid overall. And like the raw, the line is better than they were the first game of the season. Yeah. And with a young line like this, that's all you'd ask for. Yeah. It's just improvement, improvement, improvement. Tevin Jenkins is a guy who's really improved recently. Mm-hmm. Olin was a big fan of his. He touches yeah. that on the interview we do later. And uh, overall, I mean, like... Which we didn't announce that yet, but yes, Olin Kreutz is who joins us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Didn't we say that? <laughs> I didn't. I oh, said oh, a oh. special guest. Oh, well... Now everyone Surprise. knows. Well if, so, well, if you click on the episode, I'm assuming we put his name in the title. Yeah, so, you'll, but, you know if, yeah, you're, yeah. if you're listening to this, you know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he uh, it's it's encouraging. I still do think there's a lot of work that needs to be done. I don't know how many of these pieces are like for sure like our starters going forward, um, but I do think there's a lot of guys there that are going to be part of this team for a while. So yeah. I'm positively encouraged, but I still think there's a lot of work to be done. So Yeah, I agree. I mean, and you can't look at a line that's allowed 43 sacks and say that there isn't work to be done. Um, but like you said, it has progressively gotten better, and it took a while to get there. There was multiple different f- formations for this line because of injuries or because of people getting benched or just getting a little banged up or whatever the issue may be. But we've seen multiple people at right guard, multiple people at right tackle, multiple people at left guard. The only two that I think haven't switched, like Braxton's had that. I think he's played every snap at left tackle. And then Mustafer, for the most part, he got benched for a minute in one of the games. And then and then Lucas Patrick she got hurt. hurt. And then Sam Mustafer was right back out there. So for the most part, those two have played the majority of all the snaps. But the other three, there's been a lot of rotations, including with Michael Schofield and Riley Reef and Larry Borum and Tevin rotating with Lucas Patrick. And Cody Whitehair was out, so he he wasn't there for a little while. There's people rotating at that. So it was a lot of chaos through the season, but it really does feel like they found the best lineup for at least to bring the strengths of the who they do have on the offensive line right now. Just to go over a few of those numbers, because like we said, this – Instead of picking a monster, we've picked the monsters of the offensive line. offensive line because there's a lot of young guys. We have Braxton, who's a rookie. We have Tevin, who's in year two. We have um, Larry, who's in year two, yeah, right? Two, year two. two. Um, Sam Mustfer, I believe, is in year three. And I think that's everybody. everybody? Cody, well, Cody Whitehair's older. Cody Whitehair's yeah. older, um, but I, everybody else is yeah. on year three or under. Oh, mm-hmm. and um, Alex Leatherwood, who we've seen recently, is in year three, I, I believe, also. He was drafted by, undrafted by the Raiders, picked up by the Raiders. And then well, he was, the, oh, he he was, was the first round. In the first round, and then we picked him up yeah. with waivers. Yeah, and then we ended up getting him in like August or something this year. But anyways, so uh, the Bears offensive line coming into the season, we knew this was going to be... A problem at certain points because there was a lot of young guys. We didn't know who was playing what position. They were throwing Tevin at right guard. He's not a guard. And so he was learning a new position. We weren't sure about Braxton. Braxton's a rookie having to start at left tackle. We didn't know a whole lot about, you know, what Riley Reef and Schofield were going to be doing. Larry Borum, you know, we saw flashes of him, but we weren't totally sure. So a lot of these numbers I'm going to read are PFF numbers, which I completely get that sometimes PFF numbers don't feel like they are right. Like you'll see graphs and you're like, there's no way. There's no way that's what's happening. Because I think even recent, like within even pre-Packers game, they were like kind of hyping the Bears lineup to be like good. And I was like, a good offensive line is not 
allowing your quarterback to get sacked six, seven times a game. Like, it's just not. It's not going to happen. Um, the Jaguars this season have six games with zero sacks, and we just got our first one in two years. So I do not want to hear the bull crap that this line has been good. I think they've gotten better. And when we talk to Olin, he mentions that too. Like there's a lot of issues on this offensive line and he goes into that. But anyways, PFF ranked before the season started 31st. The only uh, team with a line ranked worse was Seattle. Um, and they're always terrible offensive yeah. line. Like for de- like a decade plus. It's That's why people thought line. like that was the problem like with Russ and then now he has a line. <laughs> and and just, so, maybe he needs a bad line. We need, I don't know. We need Russ to start cooking a little bit more if we want that second pick. I, That's I all know. I'm going to say. Thanks Russ. You made us lose our bye week. We, we lost get the to, bye week. What the <laughs> we hell? We didn't even get to play. Um, yeah. So then after Green Bay, after the Green Bay game, and like I said, they only allowed four pressures in that entire game and zero sacks. And the... Packers front is not good against the run, but the Packers front is like known to be able to cause wreak a little havoc around the quarterback and cause pressures. Um, but after that game, the Bears moved to 12th, um, the 12th offensive line as a whole after that Green Bay game. Uh, they all, And a big part of that, I think, is the way that they are able to run the ball. The, the Bears have rushed for the most they have the most rushing yards in the league and the next closest team is like 350 yards away like that's how far of a stretch that they've had and justin fields is like in the top 10 rushers in the league yeah i mean when it comes to rushing the ball i mean there's not a single room or single team in the entire league that has a better backfield when it comes to rushing and i'm including the quarterback i mean obviously you got guys like lamar jackson who's Arguably better at running than Justin is, but like mm-hmm. his running backs just don't line up to the talent that Montgomery and Khalil Herbert have brought this year. And I'm so excited to see how this is going to go forward, especially with the offensive line continuing to grow and actually making running a thing that we can do consistently and well. So yeah, no, I, I'm and I think that it's it's danger. It'll be dangerous when we really do let you know, like next year. Let's see, we get somebody, whether it be some trade that we get a wide receiver, some sort of veteran wide wide receiver, or we get some stud in the draft, whatever it may be, it'll be the Bears offense will be dangerous just because they do have that rushing ability with Khalil Herbert. We don't know if David Montgomery will be here next year, but even with Khalil Herbert and then Justin Fields and then add on a layer of like decent weapons to give Justin more opportunity. And if we do bulk up this line a little bit, um, it could be a, a very dangerous offense. So probably one of the better ones we've seen in Bears history. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I do think the thing they really need is like they just need a guy who can throw the ball to like 14 times yeah. a game. You know, like just get him the ball, let him do his thing. And like yeah. we're talking about offensive line. We're not talking about receivers. So I'm yeah. not going to get super into it. Yeah. But like if we really want to unlock the offense, that's what we need. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so a few of the numbers of the guys, and then we'll get into the interview with Olin. Uh, so Braxton Jones, uh, he Obviously wasn't ranked super high in, in the draft. Um, and even I think a lot of people, there was concerns with him coming in. Uh, we didn't know he was going to be thrown in that left tackle position right away. And he ended up doing it. So he has gotten better and better and better. I feel like every game, which makes sense. Um, but one of the things that they said on there. So he took over the left tackle spot in training camp. He has 809 snaps on the season, uh, the most of any guy on the line, and like I said previously, it's because he everyone else has like rotated and shared spots and been injured, and he hasn't. So that's one positive. Honestly, like, we props have to him. Seen. Like availability is like sometimes the best thing you can have, really, and like being able to actually play the full season and not get hurt yeah. is a good quality to have in a player. So yes. Um. So PFF grades him twentieth among qualifying tackles, and it's around uh, out of seventy-seven. 
Um, so, I mean, for a rookie left tackle getting thrown in uh, into a season like that, I think that's pretty good numbers. So Tevin Jenkins grades out the best on our offensive line. He's ranked He ranked fourth among all 86 guards. It's pretty damn good for, for a guy who didn't play guard before the season. Yeah, it, honestly, it's crazy. Um, so he shared that position with Michael Schofield for a little bit. We mentioned that, um, but has taken over like the right guard spot is Tevin Jenkins spot now it'll be interesting to see moving forward what they do if they end up moving him back I was gonna else. I was gonna ask you think he's for sure guard now or and like do you think he know. wants to try right like tackle or left tackle some more because he seemed like he wants to be a tackle. a tackle yeah but it would be hard you why would you want to move him when he's just dominating at that position like I get for him like in their heads like he just tackle wants is like being yeah yeah and you'll get paid more as a tackle than you will as a guard um but Man, he's just like rocking that position right now. And that to me, we've mentioned it a lot on this podcast within the last, you know, five months, whatever we've been doing it, how important every position on the line is now comparably to 10 years ago. You talked so much about left tackle, left tackle. That's the most important spot on the line. And I really feel like that's starting to broaden now. Especially with a guy like Justin where he's running around everywhere. Yeah, because he's he's not just standing there in the pocket where the left tackle is getting probably the best player and having to block him on this side. Like Justin is sideline to sideline almost every play at some point. But anyway, so uh, that was Tevin Jenkins. F- that's crazy to me. Fourth out of the 86 guards. But uh, Cody Whitehair, who missed four games because he had that knee injury, he's played 502 snaps. He is 26th among guards, um, which actually is – I wasn't expecting that, to be honest, because I feel like he's had some moments this season that have not been well. But I do think since he's came back from injury, he's looked a lot better. So I wonder if he was a little banged up early in the season and we didn't really know. Um, but Riley Reef and Borum both are 37th and 39th among tackles. Uh, Sam Mustafer, which, yes, guys, I did ask Olin about Sam Mustafer. I know that's why every, every, what everyone's going to say. Um, I waited till the end because I didn't want to make him mad and hang up on <laughs> Hang up on us early in the podcast. Yeah, he, he handled it in stride. He I'd did, say. and yeah. I did not know that he trained Sam Mustafer. That explains a lot of things because when it's your guy, like of course you're going to stick up for your yeah. guy, and he knows him way on a whole different level than what we do. Um, Olin gets into Sam Mustafer. He also gets into you know which offensive linemen are receiving help on the line right now with chip blocks and stuff like that. And it's not Sam Mustafer, and it's not Tevin, and it's not the right side. So um, that's been putting a little more pressure on all of them. But anyways, um, so I forgot he was undrafted too, Sam Mustafer. But he was, like I said, benched for a minute against Lucas Patrick. We were like, okay, here we go, Lucas Patrick. And then it was like four plays later, and Lucas Patrick's hurt, and Sam Mustafer's back in. Um, But he ranked 16th among 38 qualifying centers right now. So I, mean, I will say, like, Mustafer has definitely had his moments this season where I'm just like, bro, like, what the hell are you doing? Where he just looks lost. Yeah, He's running he, around, yeah. and you're like, you're where are you like, looking? Like, what is going on? But other times, like, you don't really notice him, which is a good thing yeah. in his case. Like, yeah. you know, like, it's not like he's going to blow some guy down the field and pancake the linebacker. Yeah. But, like, when you're not noticing him do things terribly, yeah. it's a step in the right direction. So, And I'm sure we've been extra critical just because there has been the talk around Mustafer. The so when sure. we're watching the game, we are, and you see Mustafer running around in circles, you're like, what the hell are you doing? Um, I can't, I'm sure if we show those clips to Olin, Olin would be able to be like, okay, well, this is what was supposed to be happening. This is why he why ended he up doing X, yeah, y, like, Z, yeah. To us, it looks crazy. I'm sure there's moments where it's explainable, you know, like, he there was supposed to be somebody there and then that person ended up the, the play gets 
switched and next thing you know that person is down at the other side of the line and Mustafer looks up and he's like oh because that's one thing about the center position like you are snapping the ball and very quickly having to get your head up and get your block and hope that the quarterback got the snap that you just snapped also so it's very hard we give a lot of credit to like left tackles and all of those guys but centers man like and you're that you're in front of the quarterback right away so you're that first contact. Yeah, and I will say, I don't feel like there's really been a lot of issues between him and Justin in terms of snap handoffs. No, I do there feel was like, earlier in the season. Say, we had a couple, season, and then we haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, I was going to say, earlier the season, there was a couple of them, but like since then, like he's really kind of put it together, I feel yeah. like. so. And one I thing I have noticed, too, about our offensive line is that they the penalties have also decreased like majorly in the yeah. past four or five weeks, I would say. Um, it seemed like in the beginning, every other play was a hold or a false start or something, and those have definitely trickled down and gotten less, which that's nice to see. That means that these coaches are coaching them right. Yeah, I mean, like the, I think the crazy thing to think about when you look at the Bears line is they haven't really invested that much into it. Like, left tackle's a fifth-round pick. Your left guard, Kobe, Kobe, Cody Whitehair, he's been around for a little bit, so, you know, that's kind of not really as important where he was drafted. Your center is an undrafted free agent. Your right guard is a second-round pick, and your right tackle is a fifth-round pick yeah. slash free agent journeyman. Like, that is not a lot of investment in your offensive line. And they're playing okay. Yeah. So, like, imagine if they, like, put a first-round pick in there or yeah. get a huge contract guy in there, you know? Like, you could actually see a lot of progress really quick. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, let's – speaking of that, because Olin speaks on that a lot, of what the line does need. And um, so let's jump to the Olin Krutz interview, and then that way we'll recap that a little bit and talk, I guess, about Philly and Buffalo. All right. Now we are joined by – the man, the myth, the legend, former Chicago Bear, Olin Krutz. Olin, thank you so much for joining me. I just have to tell you really quick. So we live in Jacksonville, and we also work for the flagship of the Jaguars. And there's two guys that we work with. When I mentioned your name, doing this, that I was doing a podcast with you this week, um, Greg Huntington and Tom McManus were both like, man, that guy's a beast. So I'm, I'm super <laughs> excited to talk to you. Uh, well, uh, tell them I said hello, and um, I guess, I guess you know, I guess that's a compliment. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's usually it's usually people usually have a few stories when you bring my name up. So I mean, oh, yeah. they didn't tell you any stories. <laughs> I know that's why I was like I could probably talk to you about for hours about stories, but we'll talk the offensive line. Um, all right, so let's just start right away. My personal favorite offensive lineman right now. Uh, he had quite the story this off season because there was some position changes and trade rumors and all of this stuff. But Tevin Jenkins has been playing very well this season so far. And I think, you know, a lot of people know all the rumors that swirled, but they moved him to right guard. And to someone like myself watching, who is not um, an absolute offensive line uh, guru, he looks like he's playing well. Olin, how do you think that Tevin has played this season? And do you think that switch to right guard was the right choice for him and the team? I think putting him on the field was the right choice for him and the team. Uh, there's a reason a guy goes as high as Tevin went. And with all the um, accolades he came into the draft with, remember, people talked about him as a first-round pick, and I think maybe his back is the reason he, dra- he dropped in the draft. But when a guy goes pick 39, first of all, um, you know he has all the stuff to play to be a high-level offensive lineman, right? I mean, I think he ran a 4 uh, at the combine, which is pretty damn impressive mm-hmm. for the, his size, and and when you watch him play, guys, uh, the block he flashes. I, I like to call it like does a guy flash Pro Bowl potential, and he definitely flashes uh, Pro Bowl potential. He has a lot of snap in his body, a lot of natural snap. He's a really good athlete. 
He's got a, a tremendous amount of power. And for a guy who's just learning how to play the right guard spot, uh, he has been pretty damn impressive. And there's some things he's got to clean up. And I think most of it is in pass pro or, you know, a one-on-one run block in the run game. Just the really hard blocks that some of these guys have to make. It's really just that he hasn't done it enough, right? He hasn't had the opportunity to learn how to play guard. But I'm with you guys. When you watch him on film, uh, when you see the way he plays with that nasty demeanor, uh, he finishes blocks. Uh, but I always tell people, it doesn't matter if you play nasty if you're not good, right? Mm-hmm. So Tevin, he also plays nasty, but he also uh, makes some big-time blocks. Gets a lot of movement in the run game. Uh, he won a few one-on-one pass pros against Kenny Clark. So, so those are really positive signs for him. And that his development, to me, is crucial for these Bears and their offensive line moving forward. So, Keller kind of touched on it a little bit. Tevin had a lot of off-season drama that kind of really seemed to come out of nowhere. Um, he seemed like he was able to carp, 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 I, well, I can't talk. Carp, I know what you mean. Yeah, you know what I mean. Wow, thank <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, don't All worry right. about it. He you was able to... A, I'm not a vocabulary guy. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, it's, it's almost like I do this for a living or anything, so maybe I should work on it. But anyways, uh, he was able to put those to the side, really, and kind of focus on football, play well, and really ended up having a pretty solid season. How important it is for young players to take the off the field stuff from like the media and all that and kind of put it aside. Yeah, I talked to him. Uh, you know, we do a podcast, me and a couple of my ex teammates, uh, the No Name Football Podcast, kind of a cheap plug there. But <laughs> we, and I talked to him when he was going through all of that because I was really interested in the way he would deal with that because I know that uh, me personally and, and as a former player, I, I probably wouldn't have dealt with it well if I was all of a sudden second string. Uh, being that high of a draft pick, you know, all the the things that people expected from me coming into the season. So, but but he, to his credit, just said that he was going to go back to work, uh, that he'd rather not talk about the way he felt about them moving him to second string. And it sure looked like he did, right? It sure looked like he mm-hmm. went back to work. I remember now he came in as a highly touted tackle. So to move someone from their, you know, their natural position and just put them at guard and just, and you know, for a team that doesn't have really a right tackle of the future, to move him to right guard, uh, it perplexed me a little bit. But uh, to his credit, he went through all that. Uh, he got his back back to where he needed it to be, his strength back to where he needed to be. Remember, they were working him in and out with Lucas Patrick, which made no sense to anybody no. uh, that were, was watching the games. But, you know, sometimes you wonder if they know a little more than we know, right? Because remember, Tevin did miss a game a couple games back because of a hip injury. So maybe his body wasn't ready for mm-hmm. the full amount of reps yet, you know, for the full workload yet. And they're working him into that. Yeah, I think I, I noticed that too for a little bit. And I was con- I was wondering if maybe there was some ling- lingering ing- injuries there that he didn't wasn't quite ready to be 100%. But I'm glad they kind of made that shift. Uh, one more on Tevin before we move to the next guy, because you mentioned his toughness. And he obviously is one of the people that l- last year, for example, I remember they... M- Justin Fields got a late hit. Tevin was the one guy on that offensive line that stood up, defended Justin, got a penalty for it. But how important is that for your offensive linemen to have the quarterbacks back? Oh, it's extremely important. And um, sometimes there are times in games that you take that penalty, that you take it to let the defense know that you're not going to take shots on my quarterback all day. And you're also building a culture, right? You're building a culture of the fact that we're all in this together. Uh, This is our guy. This is our quarterback. If you remember at that time of the year, um, there were a lot of shots being taken at Justin Fields. We won't name the player now who's in Atlanta Mm -hmm. who grabbed Tevin and scolded him on the field 
after he did that. I remember thinking, like, what the hell I is know. that guy doing? I know. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was good to see that. Uh, hopefully he sets that tempo. He sets that culture. And just, you know, the la- last thing on Tevin is uh, toughness and all that stuff is great, but availability is bigger, right? So yeah. he's got to find a way to always be on the field, to play every play, and, and to bring that toughness and that tempo and that tenacity to every game every week for 17 weeks. And then if he does that, guys, uh, we're probably looking at a pro bowler here. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's he's been really fun to just watch his story. So it's going to be fun to keep watching Tevin hopefully progress. But let's uh, look at the other side of the line. So a lot of people criticize Ryan Poles and some of them sees the, some of the moves he made this offseason. Um, but when we look at the draft, it looks like he may have nailed some pieces there when it comes to Jaquan. Even Kyler's getting better. But Braxton Jones, I think, is a name that we have to talk about in this podcast because he, I feel like, has just gotten better and better game by game. And it cannot be easy to come come in and start at left tackle right away in the NFL because he was not supposed to be the starter right away and had to kind of got thrown into that spot. What do you see in Braxton? Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. And, and I'm one of the guys who criticized Ryan Poles because I thought it, in, eventually um, we wouldn't be able to get a good feel on whether Justin Fields could be the starting quarterback or not, right? But Braxton Jones has improved tremendously, man, throughout the year. And for a guy who was a fifth pick, I mean, went in the fifth round, that pick 168 out of Southern Utah. I mean, um, when they put him there, I thought they were crazy. And really when I watched him the first two, three, four weeks, um, he really struggled in pass pro. He struggled having a soft edge. Uh, he struggled with his hands. He struggled taking on the bull rush, which was some of the things you heard about is the reason why he dropped in the draft. Now he has shown uh, that he is willing to improve and his pass set has gotten better. Um, his edge is a lot stronger. He absorbs the bull rush a lot better just by means of putting himself in really good position to take on whatever defensive end he's going against. I think it was uh, Montez Sweat for the commanders who gave him a really, really tough game. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people the biggest difference between the NFL and college is in the NFL, I don't care how good you are, you're going to get your butt kicked in one game where you just get dismantled. And if, you, if your confidence is completely gone, two things happen. Either the guy goes uh, into the toilet and he's done. Our guy decides he's going to improve. He's going to watch that film, and he's going to ask himself, how can I block this guy, this guy who seems to be my kryptonite? And you know what? I think he did that. I think Braxton Jones did that. And it, it, by no means is he a finished product, and they give him a lot of help during the game. They chip for him a lot. Mm-hmm. They bring uh, tight ends over to his side. They bring backs over to his side. But um, there is potential there more than I, even I have to admit I thought he would show by this time of the year. One more just on that because you mentioned adding like chip blockers in there because that's one of the things that I noticed also. And Larry Borum, which we'll get to in a little bit too, but he, I felt like, was struggling over there, and they but they weren't giving him as much help. Did you notice that too? Yes, that's exactly what they're doing. And I wonder how the O-line room takes that sometimes because mm-hmm. Braxton gets all the help and it singles everybody else up. So eventually uh, the Chicago Bears now, as good as Braxton Jones has done this year, Eventually, we got to put him out there alone mm-hmm. and see if he can hold on to that side. Because like you guys know, if you have a left tackle who can shut everything down, you can send the help the other way. But uh, he is a rookie left tackle. Like you said, they are giving him a lot of help. They're not giving Riley Reef, Borum, or whoever they put at right tackle uh, a whole lot of help at all. They're kind of just trying to slide there. But if you're a tackle, uh, you want your help to come from the outside and not the inside. Yeah, when it comes to Braxton, it really did seem like they threw him in the deep end right away uh, when it comes to like being in the NFL and coming from Utah, where he came from. Something I do want to know is, 
he has definitely progressed quite a bit through the season. Do you think he's progressed enough to where the Bears can feel comfortable with him as a left tackle going forward? Uh, if you're asking, if I'm the general manager, um, no, I, I'm bringing in competition for him. Uh, someone like a Riley Reef type, but uh, Riley obviously is not healthy enough to play left tackle. Mm-hmm. So that's why they put him at right tackle. Remember, Riley had that ankle injury, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why you don't see him at, le- at left tackle. Uh, I think the ankle allows him to play a little more right tackle. Uh, just a side note, I love watching Riley, Riley Reef play, uh, play football. Uh, he's, he's an old war dog, man. Uh-huh. He does anything he can to get guys blocked. But, um, you know, no, I wouldn't. I'd probably bring in a veteran, not somebody that I paid starter money to, but somebody who is capable of starting in case Braxton Jones, when I do not give him a lot of help, when I do have to protect my pocket, when I do go five-man protection and he's got to be on an island, in case he struggles with that, I got to have somebody in there. And, and, and to the, another point is you also always want a mentor there. Mm-hmm. If you have a guy, a young second-year left tackle, fifth-round pick from Southern Utah who's still learning a lot. So I guess my short answer is no. Yeah, and that's something, honestly, we even saw in Jacksonville. They The move they made this offseason was bringing in Brandon Sheriff, which had tremendously helped the offensive line, so that just shows what a veteran pre- presence on the line can do. But, Olin, we've seen, I don't eight, nine different variations of the on the line this season just because of injuries or certain players not, being, not working at a certain position. And most recently, uh, Alex Leatherwood, a former first-round pick for the Raiders, is kind of got thrown in there, and he looked like he played pretty decent. What did you see out of Alex? It was it was hard to see anything in the plays that he was in because they weren't asking a lot of him. Now I've watched Alex Leatherwood on film uh, when he was in Las Vegas. You know the 17 games he started there, and to be honest with you, look, he came here after camp. He had mono. Uh, he hasn't changed yet and or developed enough yet under Coach Morgan, that we can say that maybe uh, the Chicago Bears building uh, weight staff, weight, by weight staff, I mean their weight room, and their coaching staff can affect him yet, right? Because uh, what work has he gotten with them, actually? But mm-hmm. when I watch him, it's the same thing I saw in, in Las Vegas, right? He's real deliberate. Uh, he doesn't kind of let himself play sometimes. By that, I mean, uh, you know, being a first-round pick out of Alabama, you know, uh, with the way he performed at the Combine. You know this guy has athletic ability. You know he has explosion. But it seems like sometimes in talking to a guy, uh, his name is Duke Mannyweather. He trains a lot of offensive linemen. And he's trained Leatherwood. Uh, one thing he mentioned to me is that Alex really tries to be perfect all the time. And you can see that on film. But they do have a guy there that they could maybe mold into something. But if I told you I saw anything on the film uh, that I liked or disliked, uh, other than what I saw in Las Vegas, I'd be lying to you. So I haven't really seen enough yet. Uh, the 10 plays, they didn't ask him to do much. Mm-hmm. He was late off the snap a lot, which is normal for a guy who hasn't played a lot of football with the group he's playing with. But uh, other than that, uh, he looked about like what I saw in Las Vegas. So something I actually have always been wondering really is, so when you look at some of the best offensive line units in the NFL, I think specifically the Eagles is a great example of this. They have what it feels like a true vocal leader on that line. For the Eagles, it's Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson to a lesser extent. And you look back at old Bears teams, there are guys like yourself, Roberto Garza, Kyle Long. Is there anyone currently on this line that you see stepping up and becoming that emotional vocal leader for the offensive line? You know, they they have to, you you have to develop first into, I would say, top, you know, six or seven at your position in the NFL, or you have to play a long time. You have to earn a lot of respect before you become a vocal leader, right? And when you name guys like Jason Kelsey, you could probably put him in the top three or four uh, centers in the NFL. You name Lane Johnson. He's probably the best right tackle 
in the NFL. So when these guys yell at you, you start to listen at them, right? Listen to them. When you name uh, Roberto Garza, he played 14 years here for Chicago Bears. He earned that respect. So a lot of these guys have to develop their game. They have to be in that locker room for a long time. You know, Kelsey and those guys actually have Super Bowls where they're playing. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you listen to them? But, you know, if you want to talk about development, if you want to talk about vocal leaders, uh, the Chicago Bears, the last 10, 11 years, you can go through any position. Look at the draft, look at free agency, and talk to me about who's lasted a long time, who they have developed. Kyle Long, who I know pretty well, I mean, his career here was, what, four, five, six years, right? So that's not a very long time. They got to get guys who are in this locker room, you know, again, 10, 12, 13 years, so you can develop leadership, you can develop guys that are talking to people and they're listening. Yeah, I think it's important. And I, honestly, at every level right now, I think the Bears are looking for that that leader. The secondary is super young, so they're kind of trying to find that. The offense, I think the defensive line is going to look very different next year. So that's going to be a whole other thing that we'll have to figure out. But a couple more for you before we let you go. Obviously, we mentioned a little bit about Larry Borum. Um, and I, I, it's been up and down. Like you see really good flashes of Larry, and then sometimes you just feel like he's just getting worked an entire game. What do you – is Larry Borum a starter in your eyes? I, I thought he was last year. It's funny, right, because I almost felt about him last year the way I feel about Braxton Jones now, right? Mm. Like I was impressed by uh, the way he played his rookie year. I was impressed by the way he just kind of figured out how to block guys, how he was always in front of guys. I thought he did a lot of good things, and then he came back this year, and whether it be injury, I think he has an ankle now. I think he had a concussion earlier. Uh, in the year, he has struggled, like you're mentioning. But again, when we talk about when you put a rookie on the field, uh, what are you trying to do for them, right? You're trying to protect them. You're trying to help them. Now they come back this year as a veteran, and maybe they leave him on an island uh, by himself a little more often. So uh, I'm interested in this Larry Borum storm and, and story. It almost kind of reminds me of Tevin Jenkins, right? It reminds mm -hmm. me of a guy who kind of fell out of favor. But I think he can block people. I think he's a big athletic guy. But has he had the kind of year I'm sure he's wanted this year? No, it looks like his pass set is a little different for whatever reason. Uh, he hasn't been extraordinarily physical in the run game, but I'm guessing that's the injuries again popping up. But mm -hmm. uh, that is one thing that, that I'll be interested to watch what, what they do with him going forward because he'll be here again next year, at least competing in camp. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got a really easy question for you now. It's simple. Mm -hmm. Owen, who do you think is the nastiest O-line guy we got right now? Oh, well, it's probably Kevin. Mm -hmm. Kevin probably gets after people the most right now. And uh, when, when he is on the field, when he is rolling, um, he is a, a dominant presence out, out there. And he's athletic enough to get on the second level and, and, you know, get on a cornerback and or a linebacker, keep his feet and finish these guys out in space. So uh, like you, we talked about earlier in this podcast, I'm like sure you guys have covered them and him and you guys notice uh, he's a fun guy to watch because he's capable of those things. Yeah, I agree. I I love watching Tevin Jenkins. Like I said, he's probably my my favorite offensive lineman right now. He's got that um, fire in him. He does. He's just so fun. And I I love the guy that like I said, I love that he protects Justin. That just that makes my heart happy. But Olin, I feel like I'm not trying to stir things up, but I have to ask mm -hmm. because it's the one other young guy we have not talked about. What have you seen from Sam Muster for this season that you like or dislike? Yeah, I'm I'm always trying to be fair when it comes to Sam because I train him and I have trained him. Uh, for almost six years now. I knew, knew him at Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. As a lot of people know, uh, Harry Heastan is a really good friend of mine. He's a Notre Dame offensive line coach. He came to the Bears, went back to Notre Dame. So I've known Sam 
since right out of high school. Uh, I don't like to analyze his game very often. I will say this about him. Uh, he continues to get better and he continues to be in a starting lineup. So yeah. um, that that is something that he, yeah, he's constantly working. It's almost become, um, it's almost become funny how uh, everybody wants to replace him, but but he just shows up every Sunday, works hard, gets on his guy, and tries to block him. Yeah, and I think that as you mentioned earlier, because that because Braxton is getting the majority of the help. You like you mentioned, a lot of these guys are kind of getting stranded out there and taking on uh, bigger roles than it, than maybe that left side. But um, Olin, if you if you zoom out right now and you were looking at the Bears' offensive line this off season, what would you say is the the biggest concern on the line that needs to be fixed this off season? Well, we talked about earlier, and you need guys on your offensive line who are. Pro Bowl, all pro type players, right? And then you can build around them because you need to know that when you go into a third and eight, third and nine situation, you can leave somebody one-on-one, right? He can compete against anybody in the league and or you're in third and short, fourth and short. Uh, let's talk about Zach Martin at Dallas. Um, the guy in row 600 knows where they're running the ball on third and one, right? They're going to get the ball behind Zach Martin in Dallas somehow, some way. So, uh, the Bears need somebody on their line. Either can De- like we talked about, can Tevin Jenkins develop into a top four or five right guard in the NFL? And and w- like we talked about, when you watch the film, the answer is yes, he can develop. It's just a question of whether he can stay healthy, right? Mm-hmm. And then you always want to fix. I mean, man, everybody wants an elite left tackle, guys. Everybody yeah. wants an elite wide receiver. These guys just don't grow on trees. That's why they make the most money in the league, mm-hmm. right? So these guys are hard to find. That's why. Uh, last year, I, I was on a lot about Teron Armstead when he went to Miami. I was hoping the Bears would uh, take a look at him. I think they probably did. I think the, the money was probably a little too much for them at that time. But uh, they need Braxton Jones to develop, develop. They need somebody, man. They need somebody who's like, when teams show up, they're like that offensive lineman right Scary. there. Scary, yeah. That guy's an animal. Yeah. That guy's an animal. Um, so last one for you before we let you go, because when we look at this line, I think they're up. 40 there's 43 sacks I think on Justin at this point and obviously we know not all of them are on the offensive line if you watch it there are certain ones that Justin kind of uh, causes himself which that happens with quarterbacks especially mobile ones but if, when you're looking at this line as a whole Olin does that 43 sacks describe what this line is or does that maybe look make it them look a little worse than they actually are um I, I think a lot of the sacks, you, like you said, Justin Fields is just that kind of player. He kind of reminds me of Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson was in his prime in Seattle. Like when you play with a guys like that, you just got to realize his offensive line. Like there's going to be sacks in games because he's going to take chances. He's going to hold that ball, and really, you want him to do that. You want him to take those chances because, uh, like we've seen. I mean, I, no, I, I'm sorry. No, no one else has ever seen what he's done this year. So mm-hmm. uh, he's dynamic. He's fun to watch. He's explosive. You go 50 yards at any time, like he's shown everybody. Uh, the offensive line now, uh, it, it is a, a, a mediocre pass-blocking unit. They've gotten better as the year has gone on. As you know, as you just mentioned, it's not all in the offensive line. Some of it is when Khalil Herbert is pass-blocking. Mm-hmm. Some of it is a tight end pass-blocking. Some of it is a wide receiver not getting open. So to improve the pass pro, you can get a wide receiver. Like you watched Diggs, uh, I think it was two weeks ago. Uh, Buffalo's two tackles were out. Their tackles blocked nobody, their backup tackles. Mm-hmm. The ball just kept coming out because Diggs was open. Yeah. Right? Diggs is open all the time, so that helps pass pro. You get a running back, you get a tight end, uh, guys who can block it all help, works together. But 
they definitely have to get guys in the off season. They got to get competition in that offensive line room. They got to get high draft picks in there. They got to get, got to get one or two big name free agents, put them in that room and let everybody compete and see what shakes out. All right, Owen. So my last question, it's not actually a question. It's just me. I just want to say personally, thank you so much for playing for the Bears for such a long time and being just such a beast. Like growing up, I remember watching you. I was in third grade when you guys went to the Super Bowl. So much fun. Obviously, the outcome wasn't ideal, but like you were just so awesome for so long and we need more guys like you on this line. Well, I appreciate you saying that, man. Look, uh, uh, Football has done so much for me. I love playing it. Uh, as you can see, I'm still involved with it. I, I, I try to coach as much as I can. Uh, I train football players. It just, I just love the game. I uh, love playing it. I, I felt like it was an honor, and I, and I appreciate when uh, people like you who watch say things like that because you're always trying to play the game the right way, and you're, and you're always trying to play the game hard and give back to the game that's given us so much. Yeah, not a lot of kids like idolized offensive linemen really knew who they were that much, but everyone I knew knew who Olin Chris was. So. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, man. Well, thank you, Olin, so much for joining us. Um, I feel like our mindset is pretty similar where, where this Bears line is. So it'll be interesting this offseason to see what they can do with money and first-round draft picks, finally, and draft picks in general. Maybe so, trade back at some more, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Olin. Uh, you know, the, the, Bears, uh, the Bears offensive line have, has been here for years now, so it'd be nice if they did something about it. Yeah. I agree. All right. Thanks, Olin. You have a good day. I appreciate Thanks it, guys. On. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. All right, well, thanks so much to Olin. That was a lot of fun, and it's cool for us to be able to talk to someone like that. Like I posted on Twitter, you mentioned in the podcast, it's just like someone that growing up was a name that was like a household bear name because he was just here for so long, and he was a monster on the offensive line. And you mentioned that was just a short list of some of the offensive linemen that has been big playmakers for or like you know big part of what the Bears teams have been in the past so it's really cool to be able to talk to him um I know there was like a lot of stuff <laughs> a lot yeah. of stuff going on with Olin this last year as in like people give him crap about the must first stuff and obviously some other drama I mean there was that stuff including with, like, the, the front office stuff. I remember like McCaskey yeah. they said they offered, offered him like $15 an hour to yeah, come coach just, or something yeah, yeah there's a lot of weird stuff but Olin's great and he's super nice and obviously hasn't I mean he's a great Hall of, do you think he'd be a Hall of Fame? See, I don't know. I don't know the offensive line yeah. well enough, you know, especially when just it comes to centers. Yes like, yeah. I just, I, he was really good when I was a kid, yeah. you know, but I was also like a kid when I was watching him. Yeah. But, like, he was. I feel like, yes, because yeah. I mean, I feel like when you, like, you know, Tony Baselli just got in and Tony Baselli only played like seven seasons. Olin had like double that and did it well almost his entire career. Yeah. I mean, you know? he's definitely the best player center of my lifetime, without yeah. a doubt. And like, it's so funny. Like, I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, but like, when you're a child, you, the way you view athletes is a lot different than when you view them as an adult. Mm -hmm. Like, you like athletes, and, yeah. like, they're cool, and, like, you're fans of them. But when you're a kid, you're just, like, they're bigger than life, almost. They're yeah. almost, like, superheroes. So, like, as crazy as it is, like, it's insane that me and you got to talk about talk to Olin Chris, yeah. the center about for the, the Bears. About the Bears. And so, yeah. like, it's just an awesome experience for the And, like, what a perfect name. I kind of joked about it in the Windy City, like, our group chat thing, because I was like, Olin, Oline. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of funny. Probably never heard that one before. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I, it was super fun. He said a lot of good things that really stuck out to me. Um, most of all, he loves Tevin Jenkins, it seems like, and he had is very high on Tevin, and he thinks he still has room to grow. So meaning that if Tevin's already playing at, whatever I said, fourth among 86 guards, imagine what he can be if this continues and he does work on the few things that Olin said he does need to work on, um, which I feel like our entire offensive line pretty much, like the pass protection is the fault 
Like, that is the biggest problem when it comes to our offensive line. Um, the run blocking, obviously, is great. That's why we can run the ball. And a lot of people, even when you mention that pass protection, you're like, they're like, well, they're actually ranked pretty high when you look at, like, PFF or when you look at this number. And I'm like, do you know how much Justin Fields probably skews that pass protection number because he's so mobile and he can get around and he's able to, like, he's holding the ball for four seconds because he's escaping – 15 I mean, different pressures least, in one play. There's at least 10 plus sacks this season that Justin Fields has avoided yeah. being using his feet. So yeah. the offensive line, while it's had its moments, overall it's not been a good year for them. Yeah. But like it's as we said before, it's uh, it's going up. It's getting yeah. better. And like the thing I was probably the most surprised about what he had to say was inf- was stuff he had to say about Braxton. Yeah. Because he wasn't, it didn't appear to be the biggest fan of his, which yeah. is, you know, he wasn't net, he wasn't like saying bad things about him, but he's just like, yeah. I think I'd look someplace else. And I feel like I've been encouraged with the way he's played, but I do think that like, bringing in someone to compete with him might not be the worst idea. Yeah, I mean, I think it's never bad to add competition to a position like that, especially when it's your guy who has your quarterback's blindside. Like, that's yeah. an important thing, you know? Um, and I think that even bringing in a veteran, if he, if that's what, which is Olin, what Olin was saying they need, is like some sort of veteran presence on the line. And if that ended up being a person that is competing and pushing Braxton, worst case scenario, we have a great left veteran left tackle starting or they push Braxton and Braxton's an even better left tackle next year, you know? So there's no, to me, there's no bad outcome out of that. You have a young guy who is either going to be pushed to be even better or that young guy gets to sit behind a veteran left tackle for a year or whatever and get, learn even more. About yeah, I, mean, that I, think, position. I think something else to look at too is Braxton was a fifth round pick. Like you're typically not getting a first year starter to have a fifth round pick. So like he's already more than returned on what we felt we were getting out of from the draft. Yeah. So, it's only good from here, I'd say. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And if you ever are, go to Windy City Gridiron, obviously Lester does like the sack watch um, throughout the season. And yeah, it's just it's kind of sad to look at it. And like I said, we just came off a game where they allowed no sacks, but they've had 42 on the season. That ties, if we're looking at it in perspective of this week last year, so week 15 um, of last year, we were also at 42 sacks. So it doesn't look great because we hated our offensive line last year and we were depressed and everything was terrible and we felt like Justin Fields was going to die. Um, and then when you look at the seasons before that, it was 33, 35, 29, 31. But we haven't – the last time we've had this number of sacks other than in 2021 was way back in 2010 with the Martz era when we had 47 through 15 weeks. Um, but he also breaks down the numbers of how many and who – it was caused by. Yeah. Um, so 11 of the 42 are on Justin Fields from Lester's counting. He goes through, obviously, and watches the tape, and he's able to determine better than I can. Like, I, pro- I probably can't sit there and tell you which ones are Justin and which one was Brax, unless you're one, somebody's just getting completely pancaked. Like, yeah. that's easy. That's sad. But, yeah, 11 of the 42 are Justin Fields. Ten and a half are what he calls sacks happen. Um, so something, you know, like that play by a defender, you know, something just goes wrong. Stuff Um, like that. Yeah. Cause obviously we've placed, we've played some pretty good defensive lines too. Um, but the Braxton has six and a half, but I do feel like four of those six and a half were in the first like four weeks. Yeah. I mean, he definitely got thrown in the deep end as we kind of said earlier and he kind of struggled a little bit out of the gate, but not just Braxton, but the whole offensive line as a whole has really gotten better throughout the year. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, maybe they're not at the point where we're ready to be like, this is our line of the future, we're all locked in. But, like, there's definitely been enough from the pieces to see that, like, yeah, like, there are some guys here that are going to be around for a while. Yeah. 
Um, just to go down the list real quick, Larry Borum, four of the sacks are on Borum, two of the sacks on Luke pa- uh, Lucas Patrick, two of the sacks on Mustafer, one and a half on Schofield, one and a half on Tevin. That's just another number to say. Tevin's played... Like, we, we had that rotational for a little bit, but a lot of snaps at that right guard, and he's only allowed one and a half sacks. Is it also kind of crazy to me to say that two sacks for Lucas Patrick is kind of a lot, considering how little he's played? He's, yeah, I, I feel like say, we didn't see him. I was going to be like, oh, he's allowed two sacks, and like <laughs> he's, has he played a game, a full game even? Like, I don't no, think he has. No, I don't know. Yeah, because he, so like, he didn't come back until that week, and then he got hurt that yeah, same week. Yeah, so, I mean, two sacks, not very good. In one game, I'm guessing. Yeah. And, I mean, probably... And seven snaps. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he, I, cause I, I, I don't remember him playing a full game this season. No. So. Um, yeah, and then Riley Reef has one on him too. And then Trevor Simeon caused himself one also. Uh, David Montgomery, a half sack. Khalil Herbert, a half sack. So uh, obviously there's no sacks allowed. So Alex, Weather, uh, Alex Leatherwood is now a, somebody you might look at a little bit because yeah. you're like, okay, this guy comes to the line and all of a sudden no sacks are allowed. And... As Olin mentioned, a lot a lot of help's been given to Braxton, so he's getting a lot of those chip blocks. He's getting a lot of the the help on that left side, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Like we mentioned, rookie left tackle, he's, there's going to be some fault there. And when you want to protect your quarterback's blind side, you want to add help You're over on that over side. More that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that looking at that means that guys like Larry Borum, who we've seen struggle a little bit, is pretty much on an island doing it on his own. As for Tevin Jenkins, which makes his numbers even more incredible when you look at him. Um, but yeah, a few of the things, obviously, Olin mentioned pass protection, certain people that need to work on pass protection, um, certain things that Tevin do- does need to work at, work on. Um, and he was also talking about, obviously, Mustafer at the end. Um, and he, th- he says Mustafer's playing well. And when you look at this, Mustafer's only allowed two sacks, and he's yeah. the one who has probably the highest. Um, is the high like he has the highest snap count? Yeah, he's the only he, one that's he's, he's one of those guys that's just like I think the fan base um picked out his mistakes pretty early on mm-hmm. and kind of started just hone on him as a problem. And so now, like whenever he does make a mistake, which he does, he's a young player. Yeah, they get kind of highlighted a lot more than other people's mistakes. Yeah. When like there are arguably guys on the offensive line who played worse than he has. Yeah, so. Lucas Patrick, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> in a tiny bit of time. And yeah, and that's what I think that with Mustafer, yes, because I think that last year, and that's what also I think people forget that Mustafer started, got thrown into the starting position last year when injury happened. Was it Whitehair got hurt? Is that White what Hair it was? Whitehair was our center then. Yeah. Um. So. He got thrown in, and the kids in year two, he was undrafted. Like you're, I feel like the expectations for Mustafer had been have been extremely high for someone who was not drafted in the draft, got thrown into a starting position at center, and it he's young, he's yeah. still learning, and we had miserable coaching regime the last couple of years. So who knows how much he was actually getting out of that because the line was just bad. We see guys like Charles Leno, who is like top ten on PFF's numbers right now, and we hated him. Yeah, Charles Leno was a guy that was very frustrating, a lot of penalties, but he's been doing okay for the commanders. Yeah, so. so and sometimes that's because you're on a line that's better, and you're surrounded by pieces that are helping, and everyone is, you know, not collapsing this year, and I think that's what's helping helped a lot, and uh, Olin mentioned Tevin just being, like, tough and, you know, whatever, and being the one to protect Justin Fields, and I love that because, as Olin said, like, 
there it's one thing to have like a tough nasty offensive lineman but if he's not great what does that matter you know like if he's not good at the position too you can be as mean and tough and rugged as you want and we're not going to watch you on the offensive line but tevin has both aspects of that and it's funny actually because he's actually like Sweet. That's he's what like I was a gonna say. Kind of like a big teddy bear. Yeah. Like he got, when he got the glasses on too, like yeah. he looks like a like a big kid. And then like he's like just kind of a bully out there, and you yeah. love that. So I remember during the draft when after we drafted him because they posted that picture with his like it was like the like nerdiest looking picture, and he was like, "Can you guys stop uh, posting?" Yeah. He wanted this? to update. He's like, "Oh, that's like my freshman year or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. give me a new one." Like, I was like, "Oh, he's so cute," but he is like he just seems like a big teddy bear. But then when he's out there, he's just like violent and also and like fun. So much props to him. Like he was. I thought he was going to be off this team. I yeah. said on this podcast, I'm like, I think Tevin Jenkins is going to get traded. Like the front office and him don't get along. Yeah. They seem to have mended the fences and he's had a great year. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't, I never thought Tevin was going anywhere. I, I, to me, I just thought it was a lot of like hearsay. There was too much like yeah. this reportedly was said and this was reportedly done. But like polls was over and over saying no like we're fine we're good tevin was coming out and being like chill guys like everything's fine but that's part of media yeah hey hey taylor i get it you were right i was wrong (laughs) we don't need to rub it in a little bit more all right it's fine all right it's okay there's things that i've definitely been wrong about that you've been right about um but yeah so i mean i think that at this point we obviously want the bears to lose lose every game we want them to lose competitive but lose would it be super fun to like go and beat philly or buffalo no i i think it'd be fun i I think justin fields needs a win and he said that this other day like it sucks like and it's at one point at some point like i get it we're being a little greedy though because we're like we just want draft picks and blah 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 but these guys are playing football to win football games and justin said it himself yesterday i believe Uh, yeah, sorry. So we paused there because there was like some weird buzzing happening. Um, but anyway, so yeah, Justin Fields mentioned yesterday, like, we need a win. And sometimes just, I get it. I get the draft position. I get wanting the second or the third and all of the things that the Bears could do with it. But it's also really disheartening for these guys to lose. That's going to be, what, six, seven straight now. And to just knock one of them and get a win at the end of the season where everything kind of clicks and like Justin doesn't get sacked and he throws for over 200 again and then has a good you know rushing yards Kyler Gordon and Jaquan are finally healthy they just announced today they're finally back they haven't played in weeks but from concussions so we get some of these guys healthy and it's after the bye week and we just had this depressing loss again at home against the Packers for them to pass us in the for most wins and just it would be fun to me to have just like the one and see Justin happy for a game and us be like, okay, it's there. Like we can win football games. Um, But I get that does possibly affect other things because if we would have beat the Packers, we would have went from two to nine and just that. Yeah. So um, right now Denver and Houston are sucking mightily, even though Houston almost beat Dallas. I was like, what the heck is happening? I was rooting for them (laughs) so much. I was like, let's go Texans, baby. Um, So, Obviously, those teams are going to have to continue to lose, too, anyways, for us to not stay at 3, 4, or 5. But I just want, for Justin, for, like, the sake of Justin's happiness and, like, mental health and just, like, feeling like he's doing the right thing, because he is. It just hasn't worked out in his favor, unfortunately. I would love to see a win. And maybe it would be funner against, like, the Vikings or the Lions in one of those last games, because that... It's like a divisional thing. It's always fun to be the Vikings, personally. Um, but I get for the people that are like, heck no, lose. But I just feel bad for Justin Fields. Yeah, and like I will say, like 
I totally understand that line of thinking. I just think it's a little bit short-sighted. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, it is very important to instill confidence in the young quarterback. But I think how you lose matters. If they just go out there and get their asses kicked by the Bills and the Eagles, mm-hmm. that's not good for the team. Yeah. But if they go out there and like they're competitive like they were against the Mi- the Dolphins, how they yeah. were a little bit against the Cowboys until, you know, things went off the rails there. Yeah. And they were against the Packers. Mm-hmm. But like right now, that second pick matters so much to the future of this franchise because mm-hmm. we could either A, get a game-changing defensive lineman in Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, mm-hmm. or B, trade down, potentially still get one of those Which guys. Which I still will get one of those at three, four, five, I think. But like, one win right now could knock us out of the top five. Yeah. Which is... Which, and that's like, who knows? Like, where we are right now, we have no idea what's going to happen. We don't know who's going to win, who's going to scrape out a couple wins. The Jags last season didn't... They won the the week 17. Like, the very last game, it was the best thing to happen for them because they left the season and they were, like, on a high. Like, okay, we're good. Trevor Lawrence is it. And it wasn't the storyline of, like, he can't win games. And that's what's surrounding Justin right now, which sucks for Justin because Justin's getting blamed as, like, it's Justin, he can't win. He yeah. doesn't ha- he yeah, can't I- win the big games. He th- blows it in the fourth quarter, and he's always, he's been in the position this many times. Granted, we can sit there and argue and say, well, it was this happened, or it was a pass interference here, it was a dropped ball here, it was a wrong route here. But at the end of the day, the, the narrative around Justin Fields right now, and it's a very... Uh, a very competitive guy all he's hearing in the background is that people are saying he's not good enough yet and he can't win in the moment when it counts yeah but like i think at the end of the day it's just like when you got guys like equinemius dropping passes left and right like i think justin knows it's not him and i think all the bears fans who watch all the games are well aware of the fact that justin really isn't the one making the late game mistakes yeah it's been a guys like amir smith marset it's been the eqs it's been Mm -hmm. you know whoever you want to put out there and yeah, it probably is disheartening for him to lose, but like, do I think Justin Fields isn't a clutch quarterback because he hasn't closed a game out yet? Yeah. No. Yeah. And like, I think there's a lot of people out there who are like, for lack of a better word, just haters. Yeah. And they're just like, oh, like Justin Fields, 58 minute man. All I could do is, you know, he can't play yeah. a full game, but like, he plays well. And mm-hmm. like, when it comes down to the end of games, like, yeah, it's important. And yeah, having that awesome quarterback is the best thing you can have to get to be a win to win a game. But when you can have a guy who can't catch a ball, like, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. Like, he can't do everything. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree with that. I'm not saying that I think that I just, th- you know, Justin's hearing that. Oh, yeah, you know, know Justin's yeah. hearing that he can't win games. Like, you have to find a way to win. Like, that's the thing. And that's the narrative surrounding him right now. So I just think it'd be fun for Justin's sake. I could just picture his press conference if he, oh, like, if thrilled. somehow they yeah. ended up beating the Bills or the or a Philly. And Philly's lost one game this season. Imagine being their second loss, and it's Justin Fields because he throws for 300 yards. But but what if we beat the Bill or beat the Eagles it's nine to six. Yeah. And Justin looks terrible. Well, that's what, that's I mean, what I'm saying. That, like, but you know, it, first of all, that wouldn't happen. I mean, like you say that, but it happened to the Jags and the Bills last year. Like, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, the, but the Bears defense is terrible. There's no I way know, we'd ever know, only allow like, nine the, the from Jags, Philly. The Jags defense wasn't anything special last year. But they were better than what the Bears are I right know, now. But all I'm saying, though, is just like, just because we win doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be like, because the Texans, Texans game is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. We won that game. Yeah. Justin didn't feel good after that game, I bet. Yeah. And I didn't definitely feel good about it after it either. Yeah. So but like, that was also pre before they changed everything. Well, like yeah. we're on we have an offense now that could. Like if we won a game, it would be because of our offense. There's no like hypothet we would. Like No, yeah. I mean like, the, yes, theoretically speaking, there is a world where like maybe the defense balls out for a game and yeah. we could win. Incredibly unlikely. I agree with you that. We can't get to the quarterback to save our yeah, lives. So. But like if we end up like if we lose like in a shootout to the Eagles, like, yeah, that sucks. But like does that really yeah. make you feel that bad for Justin Fields? Like, yeah, I know he is such a competitor, and it mm-hmm. probably kills him to lose like this. But yeah. like, he can see the vision. I bet. Like, he's not 
you know, like he recognizes that, like, yeah, having a good draft pick is important. Yeah. And like, they're not even like they're in a position where they're going to like make the playoffs even. Like, yeah. they're so far down the board right now that winning does absolutely nothing to help. Well, other and, than short term satisfaction. Yeah. And, but yeah, I just think that also I've talked to enough players where they like could care less about that. Like, they're the all of the players I've ever talked to have been like, we want to win games. Like, we're not thinking about the draft pick. Like, they're just not. We are because we're thinking, like, and the coaches are and Ryan Poles is, but the players want to win football games. Yeah. Their money is based off of wins. Their next contract is based off of wins. The team they play for next is based off of wins and them playing well. So if they're not winning games, that means they're not playing well enough, which means people are looking at them and saying they're not good enough. Yeah, but like, I'd say for Justin, like, all those things you just said, like, his contract, there's not really any incentives in there as far as I'm aware. I don't think mm. many contracts typically have stuff like that. He's not in a position to lose his job or anything, and he recognizes that, like, hey, like, I'm going to be the long-term player of this position, or the mm-hmm. long-term quarterback of this position, or this team, rather, and he's, I think he's, he could see, like, yeah, I think he wants to win at the end of the day. I don't yeah. think he'll ever want to go on a football field and be like, I want to lose this game. Yeah. He's never going to do that. But I do think that if the team loses, he can still see the bright sides in that, especially if it's a competitive loss. Yeah, and and I'm sure he's sitting there at, like, after losses, and is like, that sucks, but... You know, like, oh, Will Anderson or somebody could help. But, but like, that's like I said, that. I've like, never spoke to a player who thought that way. Like, every player I've ever talked to wants to win football games. They're not thinking in week 15 about the draft. Yeah. They're and just I'm, not. I'm not saying he wants to lose, but I think it's more rather he sees that there is some positives from it. Yeah. You know, like, I'm not like, because well, I don't think. Because he's not an idiot and he knows yeah. how, fu- like, he's actually yeah. a very smart person. And I do feel like when he comes in the press conferences at the beginning of the season, you saw a lot of, like, the defeated Justin. You saw the Justin's just like, mm-hmm. I'm not happy. Things are going terrible. And I don't feel like you've seen that as much recently. He seems yeah. like he's a lot happier and like things are going well. And like, even though we are in the longest losing streak of the entire season, yeah. he wouldn't seem like he's going through that right now because he's played really well. The offense has played really well. And like, if he goes out there and balls out, like, and we still lose, what more can he do? Yeah. Like the team, like we, the defense sucks. And yeah. like, if we score 40 points and the Eagles score 45, like... How could he leave that game being mad? He's also, when we talked to his high school coach, said he puts the blame on himself for everything. So yeah, Justin is sitting there thinking, like, I'm not doing enough. I yeah. bet you Justin's thinking that. That is true. But, like, that's I don't know. If you who 40, Justin is. Yeah. But, like, at the end of the day, I get it. I know it's about the draft. I just, for, like, the sake of just being happy and not ending the not winning because i don't even know how many we've lost in the right i think it's like point. seven or eight at this point it's a lot like six or seven and then we have we lose four more we end the season losing like 10 or 11 straight games that'd be like for any player that'd be depressing and i i get it i'm sure once the season ends they're like okay ready to work let's go let's go get some pieces and blah 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 but it has to mess with your head a little bit when you're like man we couldn't win for 10 weeks like that's a long time yeah and like it definitely sucks and like i told i the thing is, like, I agree with everything that you're saying, and, like, I just have to fight that part of me being I like, know. Dylan, yeah. we need the draft pick. Yeah. We need Will Anderson. We and need Jalen Carter. And it's always just Carter. so scary we, yeah. to me, too, because we've had, like, so many moments where, like, the draft picks didn't work out. Oh, yeah, totally. And they don't end up being the person they're supposed to be, or we end up trading them. We we have the least amount of re-signs from our draft and the entire NFL like we do not re-sign our players and I get it like we're in a new regime so things are cool but so in my head I'm like we've had so many bad picks we've had so many that just don't even re-sign with us and go somewhere else and play well and we're talking about them now guys like Roquan Smith guys like um Leonard uh, Floyd is a good example Leonard Floyd yeah that's what I was trying to think of um just guys like that where you're like man these were like supposed to be our guys and we didn't have them for even four years so 
that's what's also in the back of my head. Like, this isn't a guarantee that yeah, these but, are going to but be But would you something. not also want to give them the best opportunity to find the guy that could be good? Oh, no. And you I, know? Like, I definitely, I just also think they could do that in yeah. the top six, seven. Like, I don't think they have to be picked two to do that. I don't know. The way I'm looking at it, as I feel like personally, there is a very big drop off when it comes to talent outside of Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. And those are two guys that like, oh, my God, like our defense needs a cornerstone like that mm-hmm. of one of those two guys like Personally, I prefer Will Anderson. If we got Jalen Carter, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. And I think once we actually have that defensive cornerstone, our Justin Fields of the defense, mm-hmm. then we can start to look at like, hey, like I'm starting to see the pieces of this contender come together. Yeah. But we still got a lot of holes to fill and yeah. you need draft picks to do that. Yeah. I wonder what if Denver's sitting there, if they draft a quarterback. That is the crazy. I mean, well, they don't have their pick. It's, oh, they it's don't. Seattle's. Oh, yeah. Seattle's That's the craziest like, thing. Thank you. That's the craziest thing. Trade Russell uh well, I always get Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook yeah. and stuff. Russell, Russell Wilson, Wilson, and then you end up getting that the second, second pick. pick in the draft. They're you know? probably like, heck yeah. Like, you would have thought that was going to be in the 20s. I wonder if they get, like, are they going with Geno for life? Oh, no. They're going for a quarterback. Yeah. They're not dumb. Like, yeah. But so that's, that would be quarterback, quarterback. So if you're sitting at those next, you know, three or four, you're probably getting Jalen Car- Jalen yeah. or uh, Will Jalen Carter, Will Anderson. If yeah. if it stays the Seahawks and the Texans, I think it's pretty unlikely that both those guys don't draft quarterbacks. Yeah, but I also don't necessarily think that's going to be the order. You know, going yeah, forward. Yeah, so. so this is uh, it's still very up in the air in terms of the picks. It's for not, sure. Yeah, and like I think other teams like, I mean, Denver's not trying to lose. They don't want. I mean, Denver's like we just spent a butt ton of all money and all our win. picks. Nathaniel Hackett needs to win or he's gonna get fired. I know. So they're not trying to win, lose. Like they're sitting here. Let's try to win you know three of these last four weeks because we got to show like we've got and something I, I will say to our credit too the rams are also in the same position just where like their pick is in their pick and like yeah. they just want to win so that's good for us yeah definitely is um yeah we talked a lot about justin fields in the draft but i think <laughs> that it it's still relative because we also do have some things that would need to be fixed on the offensive line um I think that would be more free agency geared. I'm sure we'll get an offensive lineman in the draft, but I think it'll be probably a later pick where, you know, once we get down the later into rounds five, six, seven, maybe grab another offensive lineman. And if there's somebody that they like, that's there. But I think the offensive line work is going to be done in free agency. I agree. Um, which, like, that's where you get those veteran guys who have maybe hopped around a little bit, but they're solid and they can just be that kind of, like, leadership, the leaders on the line um, to this very young offensive line. But thanks to Olin for joining us. That was super fun, and it's cool to just see, hear his perspective because, I mean, he's a pro at it. He knows exactly what he's watching and seeing and what's good and what's bad and what needs the most fixing. Um he it's, It'll be interesting to see, like, where we are this time next year. Like, is it going to be Braxton... Kevin, Sam, on the lot. Like, do you do you think what? How many of so? There's what five guys on the line, right? Mm-hmm. Five, so of that five, how many do you think are still starters next year? That's what it's. I would say I would almost. Ah, that's hard. Yeah, it's tough <laughs> because I'd say Tevin for sure is going to be starting on the line. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with Cody Whitehair personally. He's good, but is he great? Like, could they go get a left guard? Or I don't know. I don't know what his contract's like. I don't know if he could yeah. save money if they cut him or how that works exactly. But I would say at this moment, like, if nothing, where we are just right now with who's here, I would say Braxton and Tevin are starting on the offensive line. Obviously, that could change if they go and get a veteran left tackle. That'll change things for Braxton. Um, would they move Braxton somewhere else? I yeah. don't know. Um, would they move him to right tackle? 
and have him on the right by Tevin and then still have Sam? Are they going to go get a center? Yeah, like, I, I think it's going to be like two or three guys will stay yeah. and then you're going to have the rest of them. And they'll change. be there, obviously. They'll yeah. be backups and we'll probably see them because our line can't stay healthy to save our lives. But um, at least other people are starting to get healthy. As I mentioned, Kyler Gordon and Jaquan are back, which we are going to need against A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. So They put a show on this last week. So oh, I my bet gosh. I, every time I looked up, they were scoring another touchdown. Oh, yeah. Literally. It was, it was like 48 or something they scored. I was like, oh, my God. Hey, remember before the season when I said Jalen Hurts was was terrible? And like not, Did you and say that? I, I was like, oh, Justin Fields so much better than Jalen Hurts. Uh, that guy's a running back. <laughs> He's about to win MVP. So Yeah. I personally picked the Eagles to go to the Super Bowl. So it's... It's been fun for me to kind of watch how this is going um, because I had Bills, Eagles, and the Super Bowl. But I think I had Josh Allen as the MVP. Um, Anyway, so that was uh, Making Monsters offensive line. Uh, I just figured it'd be fun to kind of talk about all of them because there's a lot of young guys on the offensive line. So I didn't want to just be like, let's talk about Tevin or like we already talked about Tevin, Braxton, and Larry. So are we going to do a whole episode on Sam Mustafer? I don't think so. Um, I don't think anyone wants that either. Or Alex Leatherwood. It's hard to get Alabama people, let alone to just talk about a guy that got drafted three years ago. Um, Maybe we call John Gruden and Mike Mayock. They're not doing anything right now. Yeah. Be like, hey, John. Um, They're not real busy. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so yeah, making monsters, offensive line. Hopefully this week we at least have. It's a fun game um, and competitive, like you said. And maybe we'll see some Chase Claypool finally break out because I feel like I want to see something out of Chase. Uh, we have not done a Kyler episode, so maybe Kyler will have a big game back. Uh, we still have to do Montgomery. So there's definitely still a lot of options Jaylen for Johnson. us to go through. Jay- and Jalen Johnson. And a lot of people have been asking for Jalen Jones. I've had multiple people on Twitter like, we want a Jalen Jones episode. So maybe something like that will happen. Um, but we'll see. Either way, this is Making Monsters. I'm Taylor Dahl. That's Dylan Ryan. And we will talk to you guys next week. See you then. <laughs>